We are so glad you've joined us today for our Tuesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. I want you to go to Psalm 19. He's out there watching sheep. David meditates on the Lord. It's the reason why he's able to write Psalm 19 is because of all those evenings that he's been out at night watching the sheep. In Psalm 19, he contemplates the greatness of God, the creator of the universe that spoke of his awesome power. David thought and meditates on this, and it says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Somewhere along the line, as he's looking up, he realizes there's a creator. How anybody cannot understand that there's a creator, that there's a master designer out there, David's gone, I, I understand it, and I'm just a little sheep herder. It amazes me what sometimes someone who is very, very young could understand at a very young age and that you could be talking to somebody who's a PhD and they don't get it. It's one of the reasons why quite often I refer to PhD as piled high and deep because the, the lacking of common sense, of understanding that is so plain for everybody to see. Here David, the shepherd, is able to look up into the heavens and go, the heavens declare the glory of God. The ferment shows his handiwork. Dan today utters speech. That completes this Tuesday you know edition utters? of I Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. And night and night Join us Wednesday knowledge. as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. You can see how organized he is. You can see if you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. Notice how the we sun meet comes Saturdays up at 5 p.m. and our Sunday and, service and times are at 9 you, you and 11 a.m. No a combined language junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. On Sunday mornings, the high school line meets has during gone out the 9 a.m. service, earth, and, their words and the, the junior end of the high world. meets at the In 11 a.m. service. In them, he has set a tabernacle for Our the young sun, which is like the bridegroom coming out of his Friday chamber at and rejoicing like a strong man to run its race. Child and care is offered of for all of our weekend services. And, and, and where they are Calvary Castle Rock is located like right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburg Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell gas station. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Sure, Please visit our website at calvarystudio.com the the or the download our free the mobile app from the Apple App Store the or Google Play. The fear of the Lord is also clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. He didn't get that from looking up at the stars. We are so blessed you've joined us today. He got that Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always family, be abiding Jesse, in the Word of God. The Word of God. And what that tells me is that David is listening and he believes what is being spoken to him by the the rabbi as he goes to uh, the the sanctuary there. And so we look at this and we just kind of go, wow, David's been listening. Not only is he contemplating when he sees the creation all around him, but he's believing the words that are being spoken to him. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, that's being shared and he hears this history of how they came out of Egypt. He believes and he believes in the commandments of God and he believes in all that God has spoken to his people. David believes and he gets to meditate on this while he's out there looking out after the sheep. And it's just burying deeper and deeper into his heart. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are than, than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. He's saying, you know what? God's word 
is more valuable than what the world says is a value. He's already gotten this at a very young age. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accessible in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. David here actually believes that God knows him better than he knows himself. And he desires nothing more than to be with God. He desires nothing more than to meditate on his precepts and his laws and his commandments. He sees them more valuable than anything the world has to offer. But he also knows that by going wayward, by departing from the Lord, will separate him from God. And that God knows him better than he knows himself. And so he's even asking him, cleanse me from my secret faults. Show me myself. Show me who I am. Where is that chink in the armor? Because I believe you know me better than I know myself. And he, te- and, and he says, I want to be acceptable in your eyes. So even keep me back from presumptuous thing, sins. And so he's asking here, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and redeemer means he has to be redeemed from something. And he understands he's a sinner. Even in the midst of his contemplation and doing the very best he can and trying to get to know God, he understands he's still a sinner. Cleanse me from my secret faults. When have you ever prayed that? I don't pray that very often because I'm so well aware of the faults that aren't secret. You know? Those other things are so glaring. There's just no time in the day to pray for my secret faults, you know? It's kind of like, oh, Lord, I already know what I need to pray for. You've made that abundantly clear, so I'm just going to pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. But have you ever gotten to that point where you actually say, Lord, I'm asking you to reveal my secret faults that I'm not even aware of. I think it's a good prayer to pray. This is the making of a king right here. Contemplating the word of God, meditating. It's burying down deep. You're able to look at his creation, give him praise and glory, and, and understand his mighty uh, uh, his power, his, his majesty when he looks out into the heavens. I want you to go to uh, Psalm 23 now. Oh, believe me, there's many Psalms we can go to that David wrote that you get a gist that, that he came to this place while he was out there and he had a lot of time to just meditate on the Lord. But Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who better to write and see God as a shepherd more than a shepherd himself? He understands what it is to be a shepherd. He understands he's the one that has to look after the sheep. That the sheep aren't looking at him going, dude, where's the grass? Hey, we're thirsty here. The sheep never have to do that with a good shepherd. The good shepherd knows when to bring him into this field and to bring him over here and to walk him over here so they get something to drink. The shepherd takes care of all that. And David equates his God as my shepherd. I shall not want. What David is saying here is that I trust that God knows what's best for me. Amazing. And because of that, I'm not going to want anything because God knows what's best for me. And then he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. David understands the joy of having communion with God. He had this meditative heart with God. And it says, he makes me. 
He brings me to the place which is the very best thing for me. And if I'm hedging and hawing at all, he will get me there anyway. He will make me get there. And he leads me beside still waters. It it speaks of a reflective pond. It speaks of a place that that, that you can go and drink and, and truly reflect upon all that God is doing. He restores my soul. He leads me to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And David understands that not only is God my shepherd, I need to want for anything. He's going to do what's best for me. He understands the reason why God's going to do that. It's for his name's sake. It's not about David. It's about God. And he understands that. If only more of God's people would understand that anything that they go through, anything and everything, that it's for his name's sake. I'm pretty sure we would stop asking the question, why? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David is very, very confident, no matter what horrors or evils come his way, that the Lord is with him. And this is not a David confidence. This is the God confidence. Because later on, when he's explaining to Saul of why he wants to fight Goliath, he says, look, God is with me. I have fought the bear and the lion, and God has delivered me from both of them. He doesn't say, and I was really savvy, and I was able to do this. He says, God delivered me. And just like God delivered me from the bear and the lion, he's going to deliver me from Goliath. God's going to do it, because he's seen him do this before. And Goliath is no different. He's just as ugly as the bear and the lion. He doesn't even growl as loud. And so he's very confident with that, but it's a God confidence. It's not a self-confidence. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The heart of gratitude that David has, knowing that it was the Lord that anointed him for this. He, he, He didn't deserve it. He didn't pull him up by his own bootstraps to get where he is. He sees this as the truly the divine favor of God. And it keeps him humble. My cup runneth over. It's overflowing. I can't even contain all the blessings that you've done for me. This is somebody who has a very thankful heart. And this has nothing to do with things. It has to do where where your heart is. My cup runs over. I'm, I'm just overjoyed of all the things that God has done for me. That's David. And David wasn't... Um, wasn't like this naturally, as we'll see here in a moment. But verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, for I will dwell in the house of the Lord God forever. David even believes the future. When this kingdom thing's all done, and I'm done being king and everything else, and when I go die, I, go, I get to be with God forever. And, and, and again, this attitude did not come naturally, because in Psalm 51.5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. He understands that he was a sinner. He came to this place as he listened to the truths of God, as he listened as people spoke about God and where they came from, and he's out there and he sees the grandeur and the majesty of God, and he begins to contemplate on all those things that he's being taught and what he's read, and, and he came to this place. God is so good. God is so good. And somewhere during this time out in the fields looking after those sheep, David, he meets God. He spends time with God. And by doing that, David got to know God. And this was always David's desire to know God, to have fellowship with God, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why he has a heart after God, because that's what God wants himself, is to have fellowship with us, that we would dwell with him forever. Hence why David had a heart after God. He wants the same thing God wants, fellowship, being with us forever. So how old do you think David is at this time when he's getting anointed? As king. I want you to get out of your mind the whole veggie tales thing. Okay? All your Sunday school 
you know, of seeing David as a very, very small person and things like that. Josephus says that David was 10 years old. Others guess around 12, 13, 14. That's all very, very possible. That's very possible. It doesn't tell us how old he was. We have a tendency to think that he's like 10, 11, 12 years of age. I don't think that that's biblical because nowhere does it say that he was a really, really small child when this took place. As a matter of fact, what we do is we usually go to chapter 17 when he's about to fight Goliath. Goliath looks at him with disdain in verse 42 of chapter 17 and says, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was only a youth, rudy and good looking. So that's the only place that we have of, of to try and figure out how old David was. Now, the interesting thing about that word youth, it's the Hebrew word nahar. It is used as the infant Moses in Exodus chapter 2 verse 6. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't an infant when he fought Goliath. But it's also used in 2 Samuel chapter 18. I want you to go there. And look who they call the same name. In 2 Samuel 18. Verse 32. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against you do you to do harm be like that young man. He's dead. This is after the coup that Absalom does to try and get his father's throne, his kingdom. Most people believe that Absalom was probably between 30 and 40 years of age when this happened. And yet it uses the same word there, young man. So, um, granted, and I would grant this as well, David is the one that's saying this. And the way he says that is kind of like, is my baby boy okay? Okay. So because it comes from David, I make the argument of going, well, you can't say that this word is speaking of from like the age of an infant all the way to a 35 or 40 year old man. Because David is the one that uses that term. And that would be a term, if you ask me, of a term of endearment. My son is always going to be my son. My son is always going to be my baby boy. My girl is always going to be my baby girl. And so he could say it in such a way, is, is my young son okay? Is my young son okay? He, he's not a young son, but he is, you know, if you're 70, you know, and you're, and you're inquiring about your son, to him he's young. And so, but there are those who say it could be anywhere from, you know, an infant all the way to this. And so we don't really know how to really use that word. And, and I... I understand that. It's just that you have to understand who said that. If somebody else had said that other than David himself, I would have said, okay, they're, they're drawing this conclusion that, that he would still fit in that category. But I look at it as David is saying that about his son, and he's kind of looking at him as he's always going to be my son, my young son. So, so we don't really know how old David is. We don't know at all. We don't know because a lot of things happen here in the next... Uh, probably, you know, 56 verses or so that really lead things to where you have to really look into this and say, does this make sense? Does this make sense? Because we don't really know. Because as we continue on here, it tells us this. It says in verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now I would submit to you that from verse 13 and 14, 
that probably a good amount of time has passed. To which you can say, well, why do you say that? Well, we'll continue on here. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And the Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Now, a lot of people struggle with this because they say, well, if a distressing spirit of the Lord came upon and troubled Saul, um, then, uh, you know, God is sending something evil to someone. Um, the word uh, evil spirit here, distressing spirit, the word distressing actually does mean evil. It's the word raw. Um, it also means familiar spirit that is speaking of a, um, a demon of some sort. So if God is all good, why does he send a distressing spirit upon Saul? There are two senses in which God may send something. He may send something in an active sense where he sends it, uh, or in an active sense where he is behind it and he's the one that sends it, or he can send something in a passive sense, meaning he has allowed it. So when God takes his protection away from Saul, Satan can then come in there and cause problems. And I personally am one who adheres to that more than anything else. Uh, Passively, God may withdraw the hand of protection and therefore allow evil to come without being the source of the evil itself, Uh, much like he did with Job, okay? Uh, Satan has to go before him. Can I do this? Can I do that? It would have been the same thing with Saul. And uh, God would have said, yes, you may. Now, I want you to pick up on something here. It says here in verse... uh, 16, it says, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp or the lyre is really what that is. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, you shall be well. So that tells me that, um, that, that they have found music to be soothing to the tortured soul. Okay, I don't think that they just kind of made that up. Hey, maybe this will work. It seems like they, they have a plan. This, this is what, what is going to help you. Now, the interesting thing is this is the first time that you see uh, an evil spirit. This is the first time you, that an evil spirit comes into play into God's word to where you go, whoa, there's, there, there's those powers and principalities there. And so he says then, and so, so Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Okay. Then one of his servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful and plain, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. Hmm. Interesting. So he's talking about David. Somehow this servant has seen David play the lyre. And he calls him a mighty man of valor. And he also calls him a man of war. Prudent in speech and a handsome person. Now where could this guy have possibly, for one, heard him play the lyre? For two, be able to call him a man of valor, a man of war, skillful in speech. Where are you going to see a 13, 14-year-old boy be able to do that and come to that conclusion? I would submit to you between verses 13 and 14, and even though a distressing spirit is upon him, it doesn't mean that immediately when that spirit comes upon him that they develop this plan or idea. We don't know if months went by before that distressing spirit went upon him. We don't know if a year or two has gone by. But there has to have been enough time that has gone by 
for this servant to have been able to see David in some sort of situation where he could have called him all those things, unless the servant is just prophesying without knowing it. And that, by the way, I don't take off the table. That's a possibility as well. That's a possibility as well. But what happens here is that it says, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Saul does call him at this time. David is with the sheep. David is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Just so you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 year old boys don't become an armor bearer. Armor bearers go into battle with you, okay? They go into battle with you. And you're not going to want some inexperienced rookie going into battle with you. You just don't. Now, it does say became his armor bearer. It doesn't mean he became the armor bearer the moment he showed up. So let's look at it that way as well, okay? Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp, play it with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So David has the spirit of the Lord. So when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, the demon leaves. David is a type of the Messiah who is to come. We know that Jesus is the Messiah that comes from the son of David. I find it interesting the very first time we see any sort of evil spirit or distressing spirit or some demonic spirit, it's with David who has the Spirit of God that when he comes in, that Spirit is going to leave. And then we see Jesus later on come and does things that nobody's ever done before. That even the demons believe in him. Even the, he has authority even over the demons, Jesus does. We'll get more into this next week. I really want you to, to pray about it. I really want you to study this on your own. But is it a possibility that Israel, when it came to training men of war, that they have some training sessions? Maybe some, as, as kids are getting older, as they're becoming 15, 16 years of age? Is there a time where they go off for a little bit and they train because they know, and look at all the rest of of David's uh, brothers, they're in the army, they're of Saul, that they're being trained during this time to be men of war. Maybe David has gone to a skirmish or two, but it's kind of temporary. They go back, they have to take care of their family. He's still a keeper of the sheep. Has he had some training at this point? Has this servant somehow been able to view David with this young group of soldiers, seen him in battle, seen his heart, seen him come back, play the harp to up the morale and encourage the other soldiers, and then also speak the words of God. Is there a possibility of that? I think there is. Because this understanding that David fought Goliath as a young, young man, being 10, 11, 12, 13 years of age, is not true. And if you read the account, people said, well, you know, Saul's armor didn't fit him. It doesn't say it didn't fit him. It just said he hadn't had a chance to test it, is what it says. It doesn't say it didn't fit him. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that, that Saul, if, if David was two feet, you know, shorter than him and weighed a buck 30, you know, wouldn't have said, hey, let me try my armor on you. True? That would make absolutely no sense. So he's probably somewhat the same size. And if he wasn't, he would have said, okay, somebody else give him your armor. Saul's just trying to give him the best for him, but he hasn't tested it. He hasn't worked out in it. It, You know, 
That's the reason why he says, no, this isn't going to work for me. And so he wasn't 11, 12, 13 years of age here. We don't know how old he is. But I just find it interesting that this guy is able to see, he has seen for himself him being able to play the Lear. He's obviously seen him in some sort of combat, call him a man of valor, a man of war, and yet eloquent in speech. Wow. You're not gonna, he didn't observe this as he was taking care of the sheep. And so I just kind of throw that out and kind of go. That's it for another edition of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. If you've missed any of these teachings and would like to catch up, you can download our free mobile app. It's a great way to take any of Pastor Dave's teachings with you wherever you go. All you have to do is go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and search for Calvary Castle Rock. Once you've installed the app, open it up and click on Teachings, and then go to On the Radio. There you can listen to today's segment or any of the previous segments by broadcast date. You can also subscribe to our radio audio podcast. If you want to learn more about our ministry, please go to our website at calvarycr.com. That's calvarycr.com. As always, thanks again for listening in today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.